Welcome to the Metaphoricist Magazine podcast, your home for beautifully made speculative fiction. The magazine is edited by B. Morris Allen, and I'm your host, Matt Gomez. This week's story is Arborify by Cadence Mandibura. Cadence Mandibura writes speculative fiction with a fondness for both beauty and absurdity. She works as an editor and is the associate producer of the fiction anthology podcast, The Truth. To unwind, she enjoys drumming, including taiko and a range of Latin and West African instruments. Find her online at www.cadencemandibura.com. That's C-A-D-E-N-C-E-M-A-N-D-Y-B-U-R-A.com or on Twitter at Cade underscore Burra. Let's jump in. Bang! Yvonne flinched at the pop of the anti-drone cannon. She rushed to the nearest tree, placed her hand against the papery bark, whispered, It's okay. In the past 17 seasons of working at the arborification facility, Yvonne had typically only heard the cannons go off once or twice a year. Now they sounded at least a dozen times a day. She caught one of her subordinates staring at her as he walked past, but he flicked his gaze downward immediately. Yvonne narrowed her eyes as he quickened his pace away from her. From her co-worker's perspective, the drones weren't dangerous. Just shut it down, fanatics, angling to get footage of the arborification process, looking for abuses that didn't exist. But the trees didn't know that, and the violence of the cannon noise might be distressing to them. Yvonne comforted them where she could. Her colleagues were only worried about the safety of their pension-clad jobs. That fear was too big to be sharp for Yvonne. Imagining life without this career was an ungraspable blankness. She had been eight when Ms. Moyo had explained to her that the birch trees outside the big kid's entrance were from the government's arborification tree planting program and so some of them might have once been people. When navigating playground friendships became too difficult, Yvonne would retreat to the trees, wishing she could root herself more fully to their calm presence. It felt safe to her, that people could become trees, that the chaos and questions and pain of life could be quieted into the simplicity of sunlight and sap. Another cannon boom, a whip-crack echo. Yvonne winced, moved to another tree in the grove to murmur reassurances. Inside, she cursed Malcolmson, that young thug, for being the first to attack the trees, for inspiring the shut-it-downers, but she didn't want her charges hearing her anger. This batch was about six weeks old, planted to mid-calf, with their linen clothing starting to melt into bark. Their human faces were still recognizable, but with clear signs that arborification was underway. The thinning lips flattened ears, and eyebrows tugged away by the wind. She walked among the trees, checking for parasites or other signs that growth wasn't progressing normally. She noticed, weightlessly, the marks of the trees' former lives. Many had tattoos, some of them gang members in cheap prison ink. One tree had needle scars on its forearm, another had suicide attempts racked into its wrists. Most, though, were just old, frail creatures, now at peace, alchemizing light, water, and air. Hello, my friend, said Yvonne to one of them. Don't be afraid of the noise. You're safe here. A bulb of amber liquid glimmered at the corner of the tree's left eye. Yvonne dabbed it away. 
The eyelid fluttered at the contact, a reflex to be expected at this early stage. Yvonne still had a print on her wall that she had bought as a teenager, a famous photo of the weeping trees. The work of a muckraking journalist back in the early days of aborification, the image had sparked the first wave of protests. The scientific community had done its best to quell the outrage with beige reassurances. There was no evidence of consciousness at the weeping stage. All clients gave their full consent prior to the procedure. Within minutes of the injections, all human brain activity ceased. The occasional blinking and lip twitches were automatic gestures that faded as the client's anatomy transformed. Public opinion hadn't truly swung until a pop megastar announced her choice to arborify at the end of her struggle with ovarian cancer. Other celebrities took up the cause, championing arborification as a compassionate and sustainable process. Today, people were content with the status quo, mostly ignoring a government program that, over decades, had quietly eased the strain on social systems. Some outrage remained, but it had narrowed to the margins. Until Malcolmson. Yvonne squeezed her eyes shut, bit her lip until she cut through to the salt iron of blood. Yvonne could still see the news reports from the event, 41 days ago. Yellow hazard tape flapping at the edge of a stand of birch. At least two trees fully felled, others gashed and kneeling over in pain. A close-up of the stumps, the broken trunks splattered with a rust-brown liquid. Yvonne's first thought had been of cough syrup, the gross medicinal kind. It had turned out to be cow's blood. And the kid behind it, Rawling Malcolmson, legally an adult at 18, but still in high school. Revulsion had slithered through Yvonne as she consumed his features, smirking even though it was a mugshot, smirking for God's sake. His tight cap of dark hair started far down the nape of his neck, creeping to a widow's peak that skewed left. His face was shiny and thin, spotted with a few pimples, with wide-set, slug-colored eyes. He had been easily caught and didn't have anything to say. He clammed up on the advice of his lawyers, and everyone was still waiting for the gears of justice to establish his guilt and pass sentence. Just another maladjusted youth, some speculated, lashing out for attention. Others saw him as the forefront of a renewed campaign against arborification. Yvonne didn't know which was true. She hated him regardless. Yvonne's watch buzzed. Town hall in ten minutes. Reluctantly, she left the grove and followed the dirt path through the fields back to the main building. As always, her hand drifted up from her side, finger pads toward the trees, as she repeated her usual silent greeting. Hello. Hello, my friend. Hello. Dear class, the substitute begins in her scratchy voice. Yvonne hates going to school now, but today's a good day. Today they get to hear another letter from their teacher, Ms. Moyo, who's been gone on medical leave since February but has written a letter to the class every week during her absence. Yvonne sits at the back edge of the classroom carpet, scratches even branched Ys onto her frayed corduroys, not sure why her stomach is twisting so much. She desperately wants to hear the letter. She also doesn't. This will be my last letter to you, the substitute continues. Yvonne freezes. Her face becomes a knot, her throat and chest too as the tangle of her emotions cinched tight. 
She sobs too loud. Frankie O imitates her. His friends giggle. Yvonne covers her face. The substitute clears her throat starchily. The boys quiet down. She continues Ms. Moyo's letter to the class. This is my last letter to you, but I'm not going away forever. And at the end of this letter, I'll tell you how we can stay in touch. Yvonne's darkness sprays with shapes as her palms press into her eyes. She sniffs, puts her hands back into her lap, and listens hard. Town halls were bullshit. The deputy minister's office had only started hosting them when people began quitting because of the shut-it-down harassment. After the initial Malcolmson incident, when it still seemed like an isolated case, nothing. Yvonne tucked herself into a corner carol, plugged in the headset, and fished out a notepad from the top drawer. She doodled as the meeting got underway. It helped to scratch out her frustration. Today's town hall was about the increase in drones. First, an assurance of their safety. The military had set up additional cannons and radar. Not even a horsefly could get through. Her, her. But the meeting soon morphed to offers of transfers, temporary leave, psychological support. Blah, blah, blah. The deputy minister had no good answers for how the division would take care of the trees with a reduced workforce. Yvonne fractalized the heavy Y she had drawn into the pad, repeating the pattern in smaller increments. During the Q&A, people asked what would happen to their jobs if the facility shut down. The deputy minister didn't seem to think of it as a real threat. The protests were loud, he acknowledged, but the silent majority was content with arborification. Everyone knew it had been one of the greatest successes of the past century, addressing challenges in healthcare, homelessness, addiction, and the environment all at the same time. Still, if the facility closed, employees would be offered positions elsewhere within government. No one would be left out in the cold. Except for the clients, Yvonne wanted to say, jerking her drawing to a stop as her pen ripped a furrow in the paper. Without arborification, where would they go? Halfway through Ms. Moyo's letter, Naima raises her hand. I thought only bad people were borified, she says. Arborified, the substitute corrects quickly. Yvonne does the same under her breath. Who told you that? Naima shrugs. Like, it's for criminals and stuff. Whoa, wait, is Ms. Moyo in jail? Says Frankio. Yvonne wants to hit him, but he's too far away. No, no, Ms. Moyo is very, very sick, the substitute says, glaring at Frankie, before turning back to Naima. There are people in our justice system who sometimes choose to become arborified. That might be what you're thinking of, but it has nothing to do with being good or bad. It's just an option for people who are ready for a different sort of life. Naima looks uncertain. So, Ms. Moyo, because she's so sick? The substitute nods. Incurable, she says. It's quite common for people in her predicament. Yes, Ricardo, speak up. Ricardo's a shy boy. Yvonne was friends with him for part of first grade until he got mad at her for borrowing his toque without asking. She was going to give it back, 
but he didn't understand when she tried to explain. Now, whenever she looks at him, she has an ugly, bubbly feeling, even when he's being nice. Are the doctors making Ms. Moyo arborify? He asks now. Of course not. It's always a choice. This is what she wants. In fact, if we keep reading, the next sentence says, I know this may seem sad, my young friends, but I want you to know that this is not an end, just a transformation. Yvonne looks away from Ricardo, thinks of Ms. Moyo instead. Her soft nose, her big laugh, her bright lipstick. Of course, Ms. Moyo wouldn't just end. She wouldn't do that to Yvonne. Shut it down! Yvonne hit her head between her knees as her car glided past the perimeter fence. There had always been a few tired protesters at the edge of the arborification grounds, but since Malcolmson and the copycats, the numbers had grown. Now, Yvonne's car had to crawl past a crowd that seethed right up to the ribboned line watched by extra security guards. This isn't the help we need! Stop coercing the elderly! Rehabilitation! Not lobotomies. Yvonne put her hands over her ears. She had nothing to do with client intake, consent, last wishes, but she knew the process was thorough. The lawyers had to provide every possible parachute, escape hatch, eject button, and knotted sheet, legally speaking, before the client's arborification was approved. But these shouting people acted as though she were murdering clients, when all she was trying to do was care for them. She knew just as well as the protesters that life might have been hard on arborification clients. That was why it mattered. Why couldn't they see that? She knew she'd get in trouble, maybe even fired, if she shouted back. But it was hard to quiet her mind. Don't you know they're people? She thought at top volume as she passed the chant of, Shut it down! Let them rest. Bam, bam, bam. One of them had got close enough to wrap a palm against her window. Yvonne shrank. Whoever it was got pulled back quickly, but had left a smear on the glass. Back home in her carport, Yvonne tried to rub the handprint with her sleeve, but that only made it worse. Exasperated, she glanced around to see if anyone had followed her, then hurried inside. Yvonne heated up some noodles for herself and got drunk on coverage of the attacks, new and old as she did every night. Trees hacked and splattered in the Malcolmson style, trunks tagged in dripping neon, scoring and scratch marks. In one case, a knife was buried in the tree, birch sap trailing from the wound. Someone had even tried to burn a grove and almost set the neighborhood alight. Because Malcolmson himself wasn't saying a word, the copycats interpreted his vandalism however they liked. Arborification has been wrong from the start, a young man with eerily calm eyes pronounced into a microphone. Just because we can do something doesn't mean we should. Another clip, this time a woman scowling as the wind kept blowing hair into her face. The science of arborification isn't our primary concern, she said. What we question is the vetting process involved. Who gets sent to these facilities and why? Is it truly consensual? Are they well-treated? 
We keep getting the government runaround about privacy. What are they keeping secret? Yvonne stayed locked to the news as light faded from the world, only going to bed when her watch chirped a reminder that she had to wake up in four hours. Now, some final thoughts for each of you. Giselle, I want you to remember. Ms. Moyo had sent the class a letter once a week throughout her medical leave. Every time, she ends with a few sentences for each person in the class, the same way she's given everyone their own special job in the classroom. Naima makes sure everyone's outdoor shoes are tidy, for example, and Ricardo is responsible for getting all the classroom books put back on the shelf. Yvonne is in charge of the plants. This is her second job with the class. Her first was to make sure all the scissors were back in the bin at the end of the day. But one afternoon, when Frankie O wouldn't give his pear back, Yvonne twisted it out of his hand, scraping a long red line down his thumb. Ms. Moyo shuffled that job to someone else, but asked Yvonne to stay late the next day, and walked her through caring for the line of plants at the window. One lesson at a time. Water, fertilizer, spraying for mites, how they like it when you talk to them. Now, whenever Yvonne feels upset in class, wants to shout at a classmate for misunderstanding her, or balls up homework sheets she's struggling with. She takes a breath and thinks about the plants, about every new leaf and bud that is quietly growing, about how they need her. The substitute is droning on, the words mushing together for Yvonne as the letter goes through students one by one. She waits to hear her name. Surely she will be the next one. The next one. The next... The next day after work, Yvonne changed into an oversized hoodie that she hoped would shield her face. She didn't think anyone would recognize her, but if there were protesters at the Grove, she didn't want to take any chances. The deputy minister had advised them to avoid visiting arborified sites, but hadn't made a specific rule against it. His words had the opposite of the intended effect on Yvonne. She felt ashamed that she hadn't been brave enough to visit any of her local groves since the protests had begun. The whole way to the park, she raked her teeth over her bottom lip, squeezing the pinpoint of pain where she had broken the skin the day before. What would she do if there were other people there? Worse, what if it was too late? If the trees were already marked and abused? And if this grove was okay, what about all the others? The grove she chose was hidden in a generous suburban park. Yvonne stared at her sneakers as she followed the cedar chip path into the thin forest. Luckily for her, it was a snippy day for summer, with heavy cloud cover and a mean wind. Not many people out except lone dog walkers. In her peripheral vision, the poplars lapsed into birch. Yvonne's head snapped up before she could think better of it, before she could decide for sure if she wanted to look or not and prepare herself for the worst, to see the grove quiet, gloriously intact. The clean, long-lived trunks drew a relieved sigh from Yvonne. Too late, she saw that there was another woman standing at the edge of the grove. She turned to smile at Yvonne. You were worried too, the woman said. She was about Yvonne's age, but better presented, with smooth hair and a fancy scarf. Yvonne gulped and looked back to the trees as she nodded. 
The news has been awful, said the woman. I don't think people understand. Yvonne shifted from foot to foot, the wind stinging her ears. She wanted to go up to each tree and greet them, but she knew that her behavior would look odd to the other woman, so she held her place and touched each tree with her gaze instead. This was an old grove, planted before Yvonne had been hired, branches wide and venerable. My great-aunt's one of them, said the woman. Wait, one of these? asked Yvonne. How do you know? Well, I don't, I guess, the other woman said, sounding a little embarrassed. They don't release those records. They don't even track them, apparently. But I followed it as closely as I could, and it's the right age, at least. Yvonne opened her mouth to tell the woman that it wasn't likely, that even back when this grove was planted, most plantings weren't in municipal parks, but went to reforestation projects far from the public's eye. But the woman went on. She was a bit of a kook, you know, but she was very sure about this. Look, this is going to sound a little weird, but could you take a picture of me? The woman held her phone out to Yvonne, even though they were still standing several steps apart. Why? said Yvonne. There's this thing I saw online. People are tying ribbons around trees and taking pictures to counteract the violence, you know? Yvonne didn't know, but she nodded anyway. Her screens only seemed to come up with pictures of groves that had been attacked, not whatever this woman was talking about. Her arm was still outstretched, hovering in the expanse between them. Reluctantly, Yvonne stepped forward to take the device. The woman smiled her thanks and walked to the closest tree, laying her fingers against the white bark. But you don't know if that's her, said Yvonne. Your aunt. The woman pulled a blue ribbon out of her purse. Yvonne's throat caught. Of course, said the woman. But any of these trees might be her, and that's good enough for me. She started winding the ribbon around one of the branches. Yvonne felt as though the loops were roping her own forearm. There, said the woman, tying a careful bow before turning to Yvonne with a camera-ready smile. Gingerly, Yvonne lifted the phone to head height the screen blurring as it tried to focus. The woman stood beside the tree, the blue ribbon companionably at shoulder height. As Yvonne's thumb hovered over the snap button, a wind gusted, freezing her ungloved hands and flattening the ribbon loops into whipping lines. The woman kept her smile in place but squinted, lifting a hand to tidy her hair. No, no, you can't, exclaimed Yvonne, rushing to the tree's side and shoving the phone into the woman's chest. Yvonne began picking apart the bow with stiff, panicked fingers. I know you mean well, but you can't tie up a tree just for a picture. It'll choke. She unwound the ribbon from the branch. And this feels synthetic, too. So if it fell off, it wouldn't biodegrade. Or it could affect other wildlife. Didn't you think of that? The woman stepped back as Yvonne scrunched the ribbon and wheeled towards her. Okay, the woman said her hands in front of her, palms down. Okay, yes, I hear you. I hadn't considered that. But Yvonne, expecting more resistance, carried onwards. And for a picture? Just a picture? You don't even know where your aunt is, and it doesn't matter anyway. They're all at peace now. Don't you see that it's the whole grove that we need to love? That a ribbon won't protect anything? She took a breath as a new realization hit her. Actually, 
Most people probably don't even know that this is an arborified grove. Your ribbon would tell them, and then they'd know. Then they'd know, and they might attack this one too. We just have to let them be. They've escaped everything that could hurt them. Just leave them alone. Yvonne's head hurt. Some hair had escaped her ponytail and flapped across her face. She clawed it behind her ears unsuccessfully. Okay, you're right, the woman said. Let's just leave the trees as they are. Yvonne nodded and sniffed. She yanked the drawstrings on her hoodie to hug the cloth around her face. I'm going to go now, said the woman in a delicate tone, although she didn't move. Did you know anyone arborified here? Or wherever? Yvonne swallowed a stiff nod. Yes, someone. Yes, all of them. Yes. The woman said a soft goodbye and walked away at last, her question a thorn in Yvonne's mind. Then she realized that she had been twisting the ribbon between her hands this whole time. The woman was out of sight already. Not wanting to throw the ribbon out, Yvonne carried it home, stuffing it at the back of a junk drawer so that she'd never have to see it again. To Yvonne, the substitute teacher reads out at last. Yvonne's breath catches and her face blooms hot. You have a great deal of kindness inside of you. Remember that when you feel angry. Take care of the plants. After the encounter with the woman at the grove, Yvonne looked up the ribbon campaign and it upset her almost as much as the vandals did. Everyone was missing the point. She started polite, advising people against tying foreign objects to trees, but when people called her names, her responses got angrier, telling them they were empty do-gooders who were only fueling the shut-it-down movement. Only at 3 a.m., when a network of lonely neighborhood dogs started to chorus, was she able to blink the screen's glare from her eyes and step away. Two days later, her director called her into his office. He was about ten years older than her, a man with a comfortably worn demeanor. Not a bad guy, Yvonne had always thought, but the grim line of his mouth set her heart racing. He had printouts for her, spread on the desk between them. All of her after-hours comments. More of them were in all caps than she remembered. Yvonne, he said, gently, after letting a silence pull between them. Are you okay? It's just... Yvonne gestured helplessly. They don't understand. I know, he said. But you know our media policy. My boss told me that I should suspend you for this. No, you can't. He held up a hand. I told her I wouldn't. That she'd have to fire me first. We need you, Yvonne. But I have to know that you're okay to do your job and that you'll delete all of this. He tapped the pile. But if they... I have to do something. They're talking about canceling the whole program, closing the... She couldn't finish. The most important thing you can do is what you were doing before. I don't disagree with you, you know that. But getting angry doesn't help anything. We already have people arguing our side through the right channels. He sighed and leaned back. The truth is, these things are bigger than us, Yvonne, he said. 
It's noisy right now, but this will die down. Comms say that it's already waning. We just notice because we care. But everyone should care. Sure. These people do, even if they think differently than you. That's not the same. Exasperation crossed the director's face. Oh no. She was going to lose him too. His tone soured a little. Yvonne, I'm not going to suspend you, but this has to stop, okay? Forget about these people. You're here for the clients, right? Focus on that. Yvonne looked down from his annoyance, her hands cold. Yes, of course he was right. The trees. She was here for the trees, and she hoped to be here for them for the rest of her life. I'm sorry that I wasn't able to finish the school year with you, my friends, or see you grow into future grades and beyond. I hope you will visit me sometime. The substitute teacher frowns, but her brow clears as she continues reading. Now, it's true that I won't be planted in public for a few years, and even then, you won't know which tree is me. So I have a favor to ask from all of you. This is how we can stay in touch. Whenever you see a birch tree, say hello. Touch the trunk if you're able. You never know. Someday it might be me. And if it isn't, a friendly hello is a precious gift to share. By the time Malcolmson was sentenced almost two years later, the public had lost interest. Yvonne enjoyed the news privately, having learned not to expect much from her colleagues. At the facility, job anxiety had smoothed back into complacency as the shut-it-down tagline went stale, a slogan chained to a receding year. The judge gave Malcolmson a hefty fine, 400 hours of community service, six months of prison, and a thorough uprating. What you've done is inexcusable and unforgivable, she had said. It's as though you defiled a grave or burned a canary alive in its cage. I hope you examine your actions and decide how to be a better human being. Yvonne cheered the condemnation, although it wasn't how she would have put it. The trees weren't a grave or a cage. If anything, they were more like angel wings, unfurling in a thousand fresh leaves every spring. It was freedom, not bondage. Life not death. It was too late for the trees Malcolmson had killed and scarred, and for the many other trees injured in the surge of anger that followed his attack. Still, the harsh sentence would serve as a template for the other vandals, all awaiting their turn. That day, Yvonne told the trees, with conviction at last, that justice was served. They were safe, and she could continue to care for them for the next ten, twenty Thirty years. When she had time, Yvonne still liked to witness the new arrivals. She'd begun to think about which season would be her last, and she knew the staff wondered too. She resisted making retirement plans, but she was slowing down, and even part-time work was getting harder with her arthritic hands and knees. Yvonne took her breaks in the small patio enclosed by benches and planters, 
deadheading the annuals with only her fingers and thumbs as snippers. It made her look busy when the client vans pulled up. The white vans hadn't changed much over the years, just that there were more of them, and neither had the security guards, an endless replication of fresh-faced youths. She knew they weren't the same young people, of course, just like the intake team had changed over many times in her career. There, Yvonne ducked behind a geranium, the clients shuffling off the van, her future charges, gray heads, some younger people but not healthy ones. Thin, muted, haunted, soon soothed by soil and sunlight. Yvonne frowned. Something about the group snagged her thoughts as she scanned the individuals from her oblique vantage point. Nothing out of the ordinary, really. One tall man, youngish in his fifties maybe, a skinny neck craning forward, exposing the long smudge of his hairline. She gulped her fist twisting a flower stalk as she remembered the broken trees, the blood-spattered stumps. Rawling. Rawling Malcolmson. She hadn't thought of that time in years, her mind always skipping away whenever the memories floated back. Demonstrations against arborification were unheard of these days. What was he doing here? She stared at his aged appearance before he disappeared into the reception center. A few days of procedures, medical and legal, and he would be on her field, in her hands. The rest of the day, Malcolmson was all Yvonne could think about. How could she face him, even in his arborified state? All the hurt and betrayal from his actions years ago stewed inside her, interfering with her need to do her job properly, tend the untended, care for the unwanted. She was shocked that no one else had recognized him. The clerks and lawyers had access to his full name even, but when she stopped to consider it, she couldn't think of anyone who had been working here in the shut-it-down era. It had been more than thirty years. Most of her colleagues had been children, not even born, the last time the facility had been threatened. As soon as she got home, without even bothering to change, she huddled on the couch and scraped up all the old coverage she could find. The bloody trunks the vandalism and graffiti, the protests, counter-protests, shut-it-down flyers, the ribbon campaign, the long editorials, and then, abruptly, the slide back into irrelevance. She was surprised at how small it seemed now, a brief media sizzle that had quickly gone flat. Searches for Malcolmson himself had paltry results, a mention in his mother's obituary, an out-of-date contact for what might have been a pyramid scheme, a listing in the back of a long-dead community plan. When her increasingly esoteric searches came up with nothing one time too many, she smashed her fist against the screen. As it rainbowed from the impact, she pulled her hand to her chest, her eyes itching with tears. The day of the planting, Yvonne woke up knowing that she would have to face Malcolmson. His mind would be calmed. He would be clad in undyed linen, pliant, barefoot, awaiting the peace and care of arborification. She called in sick. No one gave her a hard time, and she knew that her chief was more than capable of overseeing the work. They didn't realize how monumental this was. Yvonne had never missed a planting, not once in almost fifty years. <laughs> 
Of course, there was nothing physically wrong with her, but thinking of his features felt like a cold slime under her skin. His dejected form, the way he had slouched into the reception center, the bunched architecture of his face, that same sinister hairline. Avoiding work was as bad as going. She never knew what to do with herself when she had a day of forced inactivity. Spurting restlessly between watching TV and housework, Yvonne couldn't tear her mind away from Malcolmson. What he had started, how he had threatened the very existence of arborification. And now he was back, wanting it for himself. Scrubbing her kitchen sink, how could she tend him? Him! The way she did every other person who came into her care. Scrolling irritably through sitcoms, but was his case different from anyone else she had helped in her long career? Descaling her showerhead. No doubt she had assisted others who were guilty of worse crimes or who were blighted with thoughtless sins, cruelty, greed, self-absorption, peeling carrots. Now the thought of him would contaminate his entire cohort. The next day, Yvonne rode into work past the familiar lines of birch, their clean perfection hurtful. The newest trees were like any other freshly planted grove she had tended. From their constellation of origins, they had all converged here, forty-odd souls who had agreed to the simple release of life as a tree. Yvonne glimpsed him immediately as she walked up to the new grove, that long, close-cropped head. She looked away. Her chief was reporting on the planting. Minor concerns here and there, nothing to be alarmed about, a good healthy group all around and Yvonne did her best to pay attention. She was creating a bubble around Malcolmson, erasing him. She would not see him, or touch him, or connect with him the way she did with every other tree. Her secret vengeance. It would have to be enough. Whoa, Yvonne, are you okay? Yvonne regained her balance after stumbling into her colleague. It was, what's her name? The new girl, newish, new two years ago. Her eyes flickered with concern, her hands wide as though to catch Yvonne. I'm fine, said Yvonne. She pulled her hat on more snugly and glared. Just the heat, I think. Do you need a break? I can get you some water. I said I'm fine. Yvonne turned away to walk along the grove she had been inspecting. It hadn't been the heat although spring seemed hotter than ever these days. She had been avoiding looking at Malcolmson and hadn't seen where she was stepping. She thought she'd been bricking up her hatred, but the more he changed, the more irritable she felt. He'd progressed smoothly over the last ten weeks, and soon he would be indistinguishable from the others. Even though she knew where he was planted here at the facility, one day he would be mingled with other trees and shipped out, his identity lost for good. Yvonne paced down the line of trees, a few steps beyond Malcolmson, then swinging back to pass him again. Leaf shadow speckled her feet. How dare he think he deserved arborification after what he had done? Her pockets jostled as she turned and paced back again, catching against her leg. She reached in to rearrange the items. Keys, clippers, communicator. She stopped in front of his tree looking at it properly for the first time. Worm trails of sweat tickled her neck. A good, healthy tree, no different from the others, 
She pulled out her clippers, squeezing and releasing to open their half-moon blade. Disgust rose in her throat. She couldn't go another day, not another hour even, without, without, something. For a moment, she thought of stabbing the tree, tearing at the new wood, making him as ugly as she knew him to be. But no, that was excessive. She didn't need to be violent. Before thinking any further, Yvonne knelt. She might have been tying her shoe. Holding the clippers at their crosspiece, she touched the point to the tree's fresh bark, only a few inches from the ground. Baby flesh. She paused to let the thought drift away. Then, ready again, she pressed the blade a little harder into the tree, feeling a soft pop as it punctured the outer layer. Somewhere inside her, groundwater level, she knew she was making a mistake. Too late. She was slicing a vertical line. It was unnervingly easy, the newly grown skin parting smoothly under the blade. Her first thought had been to carve an M into the tree, an ugly zigzag to suit the degenerate Malcolmson. But after scoring the first line, the memory of her grade three teacher, dear Ms. Moyo, floated back. Her beautiful looping handwriting, the sunny afternoons Yvonne had spent caring for the class plants. Swallowing, Yvonne changed course. An M wouldn't do. Instead, she added two branching lines to turn the mark into an even-armed Y, her own secret symbol. Yvonne? She jolted at the interruption, dropping the clippers into the dirt. Paff. What? It was the new girl again. What was her name? Emily? Sorry, Margot's looking for you in the East Field? Fine, said Yvonne, grabbing the clippers, then standing and brushing dirt off her pants. She tried to position her legs so that they blocked the carved mark from Emily's view. Anything else? Uh, no, said Emily, but she didn't move. Her gaze wandered past Yvonne to the trees behind her. Yvonne's breath froze in fear. Yes? It's such a beautiful thing, isn't it? said Emily. She took a step toward one of the trees, not Malcolmson, thank God, and placed her palm on the trunk. You get used to it, working here every day, but it hits you sometimes. Such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Don't you have a job to do? It came out more rudely than Yvonne intended. As Emily stammered a reply, Yvonne backpedaled with a hasty, Thank you, Emily. Emily was already walking away, but she paused to say over her shoulder, It's Emma. Yvonne waited until Emma, slash Emily, was a safe distance away before she turned to check Malcolmson, scuffing away the depressions her knees had left in the dirt. The Y mark was weeping sap, but from standing it was barely noticeable. It would do. As she left, her hand automatically reached out toward the trunk but she pulled back before she made contact. It was a small thing, that mark. Three scored lines, less than an inch across. In all the wide, deep, rich world, just three little lines. But when Yvonne closed her eyes, it was all she could see. Those lines were giant to her. They had obliterated Malcolmson's whippet neck, his damp eyes his cruel mouth. Now he was three sap-filled scratches, 
gashing every thought she had. Yvonne became more distracted at work. She directed the wrong field to be fertilized on Tuesday, forgot a meeting on Thursday, arrived late on Friday because she had left her pass at home. Distantly, she knew they were building the case for her senility. And how could she tell management the true cause of her sloppiness? When she closed her eyes at night, memories pressed into her darkness. The carnage of Malcolmson's attacks, the shut-it-down hysteria, her past director confronting her with piles of her online shouting, a long red mark on Frankie O's hand, and a sliced Y, one that was scarring her as much as it did Malcolmson. More, perhaps. Shame tunneled deeper into Yvonne. The years hadn't healed her. They had only fooled her. She knew what she had to do. By the time Yvonne was sitting down with one of their in-house lawyers, Binny, the envelope containing her last wishes was already thumbed with worry. It had taken her three tries to set it down correctly. She had requested this lawyer specifically because Binny had a reputation for empathy, more interested in the spirit than the letter of the law. Yvonne was surprised to find how generously staff accommodated her arborification request, allowing procedural exemptions to help smooth the process. She didn't have to arrive in a van, of course, and she could complete the paperwork at any time, although she would still receive the injections on the same day as the rest of her group. Benny went through the paperwork as she would for any other client, all the rights that Yvonne would relinquish. What would happen to the possessions she left behind? Next of kin, none. Yvonne barely listened as the lawyer described every nub and nodule of the law, waiting for the moment when Benny paused her eyes warm, and asked if Yvonne had any questions. Yvonne lifted the envelope from her lap to the table. Just one special request, she whispered. No one spoke in the waiting room. Yvonne had never been to this part of the facility before. It was restricted and she never had any reason to come. This wasn't the main reception space. She had skipped that phase, but the smaller waiting room, the one before clients were called away to the private session with the doctor. The man beside her cleared his throat. The oxygen tank on the woman in the corner hissed and sighed, a soothing sound in the sterile space, almost like the pulse of ocean waves. Yvonne was one of them now. Wherever they came from, her fellow clients, they were here now, haphazardly together. A someday grove. Yvonne's fingers floated up a little from her knee. Absurd here, of course, but she felt her familiar refrain. Hello. Hello, my friend. Hello. Yvonne? Her turn. Yvonne stood, followed the nurse, and disappeared. Benny took last requests seriously. The tree in question, the tree that had once been Yvonne, was in the far corner of the grove. Benny had visited her several times earlier in the transformation. Week by week, Yvonne's face had smoothed into the fresh skin of birch bark. Her frame winnowed to a slender pole. Branches and leaves sprouted skyward. No time to dawdle today. Benny found the tree, dropped to one knee, and pulled out a paring knife. <laughs> 
She touched the blank spot where she would leave the symbol that Yvonne had requested. Benny ran a finger through the dew purling the soft bark, tracking the even-armed Y, remembering Yvonne's old brown hands, her skittery gaze, her clumsy, earnest voice. The air was fresh here in the groves. Benny took a deep breath, then started to carve. That was our Borify by Cadence Mandabura. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you'd leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to us on. Or, better yet, share the magazine and podcast with a friend. If you'd like to listen to more speculative fiction, visit us online at magazine.metaphoricist.com or on Twitter at metaphoricistmag.com.